and I would declare you, your prayer was answered purposeful worship. And I hope you did. I hope you worshiped him. He's alive. Amen? <clears throat> He's alive. And if you've never been born again, I pray you would today. Today's a special day in the life of the church. It's Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. The reason we do it this day is because the 22nd years ago, the Supreme Court legalized abortion, the killing of babies, even up to the nine months in the mother's womb. And I, I just want to make sure two things. One, that I could do my best in the biblical way to convince you that abortion is wrong, it's sin. The second thing I want to do is to equip you to be ready to have that when you're talking to others. I don't know if you've ever had the experience or not of trying to talk someone out of an abortion. It is gut-wrenching when they know that that child, that they are planning on going and ending that child's life. And you're there pleading with all your heart to try to get them to understand, yes, it's difficult, yes, it's hard, but that is a child. That is a child that, you know, their heart starts beating at 21 days. I was looking this week at all of the different things that, that because of the ultrasound that's come around, how quickly we know that baby's heart starts beating. It's amazing. And a few years ago, we tried to fi uh, pass the heartbeat bill here in Mississippi. AFR was very active. And in other words, once you hear that heartbeat, there is no possibility of an abortion. And because of misinformation and bad information, of course, it was shot down. And so today, though, things are changing. They really are. There may, seems to be more pro-life people today than there's ever began. And in the younger generation that we call the millennials, they're still debating, but they are pro-life. In the march that they had up in uh, uh, Washington, D.C., Friday, that we were able to interview a man that was up there, and there were thousands and thousands. He says the most fascinating thing is the number of young people who are in that march. And I praise God for that. And I want to equip you and convince you that life begins at conception, and to be born again begins at the time when Jesus Christ comes into your life. Those two things, I pray, will be done today. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the Old Testament to a book that has caused more people to quit reading through the Bible than any other book of the Bible, Leviticus. Leviticus. I'm telling you, I've had people say, Brother Bird, I started reading through the Bible till I got to Leviticus. And, uh, but there's some good stuff there. And I know you have to go through what is called the minutia to get it. It is. But chapter 20 is a chapter that is mind-boggling. It's God warning his people against the gods of the day in which they live. In that day, it was the god Molech, an evil god. They had basically three tenets, and I'll get to those. But I want to read Leviticus 20, verses 1 through 5. I'll be referring to all of this, and later on, I'll even be referring to the book of Judges. 
but listen to Leviticus 20, verses 1 through 5. I tell you what, stand as we read God's word. Yes, it honors it, but sometimes it wakes a few folks up too, so it helps, okay? Leviticus chapter 20, verses 1 through 5. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Again, you shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel who gives any of his descendants to Molech, he shall surely be put to death. Giving his descendants to Molech was child sacrifice. It was killing a child. That's what it was. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man, and I'll cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Molech to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. And if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man when he gives some of his descendants to Molech and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and I'll cut him off from his people and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Molech. Let's pray together. Father, help me today. Help me preach this difficult sermon in love and courage. And may the people who listen, from the youngest to the oldest, listen with love and courage and openness to know what you say and what you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Molech was an ancient Phoenician god. He was an evil god. The, the hideous practices were child sacrifice, sexual deviation, and what you would call consulting with familiar spirits, mediums. That was the three tenets of Molech. I'm sure today that when you hear that and you see that, you can't help but think of our generation. Child sacrifice, we call abortion, or a woman's right to choose. I don't know if you know this or not, but planned parenthood spend millions of dollars to change the terminology from killing a baby to a woman's right to choose. Their, their message about what they were doing got out. And so they chose to change the message. When you don't change the action, change the message. Notice that's what the world does. They, they go from a, from a baby to a fetus. They go from killing the baby or terminating the pregnancy to a woman's right to choose. What if the baby in the womb's a woman, a female? You see how dumb they are? And yet people swallow that kind of stupidity. And it is. And it's stupidity that leads to death. Sacrifice, abortion, abortion on demand, sexual deviation, adultery, homosexuality, incest, familiar spirits, astrology. The way they did the familiar spirits many, much, much of the time was through mind-altering drugs such as alcohol, 
marijuana, anything that would cause you to be kind of in a zombie trance state, any of that, they use that. And even, you know, you, you observe that today, how they, they use those things to, to mind-altering, to get you thinking. In other words, when you drink alcohol, when you smoke marijuana, if a person does it, it lowers their what? Inhibitions. And when you lower a person's inhibitions, the possibility of them doing some things that they normally would not do come together. Do you see how they're knitted together? Anytime a society has one, the other two will follow. Anytime you give yourselves over to alcohol or drugs, you're going to have sexual deviation. And when you have sexual deviation, to try to overcome the fault, you'll have the possibility of killing that baby in the womb or elsewhere. Life becomes cheap. Do you understand that? And now we're fighting that battle as the church. The life of the unborn and the life of the elderly. I mean, we have to fight to, for their lives to be important. Now, I want to just tell you, I think there's a stewardship to dying for the believer. I do. I've already, I believe you ought to get a, a medical directive. You need to get a, 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 a living will made out so that your children, after you get a certain age, don't have to wonder what we need to do with mama and daddy when they no longer can speak for themselves. Do they want to be put a feeding tube? Do they need intravenous feeding? Do they need to have, the, the if their heart starts beating and they're 85 years old and, and, and their value, their life, find out what mom and dad want so the, so the child children won't have to deal with it and feel the guilt if they feel like they've made the wrong choice. Amen? That's called stewardship of dying. Are we to be stewards of everything we have? You bet. What's the most important thing to be a steward of? Our lives. Our lives. I told you this would be practical in many ways. I hope it does, and I hope it encourages you that are senior adults to those of us that are senior adults. <clears throat> I hadn't got used to it yet. In my mind, I'm still 20. And you say, Brother Burt, not in your face. <laughs> so anyway, but, but get it ready, prepare. That's the whole idea. Now, there's, I want to do three things, and I hope you'll stay with me. First, I want to share with you how a society's influence to believe wrongly about life. Secondly, how an individual accepts that, and they change what they thought. And then finally, what God says about it be real easy. It's a simple, simple thing. First, the acceptance by society. Under the guise of tolerance, we make sin a choice to be preferred. Let's be tolerant. Let's, tolerance has nothing to do with wrong. It has to do with people. I can tolerate some things in my life, but there's some things that I better not tolerate in my life. I don't need those things in my life because they will destroy. The same thing is true in society. Certain people, and we do tolerate, but certain actions we don't tolerate because they lead to destruction. You don't tolerate that which destroys. 
you put it to death. That's what the Bible says. Crucify self. Put yourself. Paul said, I die daily to the things that would I would I want to tolerate. No, I put them away. So the first thing you do is acceptance of society. Sin will always be in society. Sin's always been around. And it always will be around. It was around when the Garden of Eden and, and the serpent came in, tricked Eve, persuaded them, you know. Yes, sin's been around a long time. Remember what it says in Ecclesiastes? There's nothing new under the sun. There's just more ways to do it and more people to do it because of what? And now we hear it more because of mass communication, Facebook. We see it and we know it, and it's obvious. Used to it was kind of hidden. (laughs) That had some good things and some bad things. But it's there. Sin has always been around, and it's been practiced by the few practiced it's always been practiced it's always been there but then it becomes preached by the foolish they they start proclaiming my right a woman's right to an abortion yes abortion's been around many years and then they said we need to have safe abortions well I want to tell you it's not safe for that baby you ought to I remember when I, it came to a realization in my life, I received it in the mail. I asked for it, and they sent it. Out in Dallas, Texas, many, many years ago, there was an abortion clinic. And so they was wondering what they were doing with the baby parts. So a pro-life movement went to the garbage dump and opened up those bags And you could see all the baby parts that they had taken from a mother's womb and put in bags and just put in the dumpster. Cheap life. You see, and they proclaim it. You have to change the message. When you hear the baby is being torn apart, I know I'm being plain and I'm trying to pick my words as good as I can, parents, okay? When you know the baby's being torn apart limb by limb, or you know that they're being deformed by substance they put in the mother's womb, you know you, in your heart of hearts, everybody would know that's wrong. And because of the technology of ultrasound, because of all the things, now we see the baby reacting to that. At two months or three months, that baby feels those limbs being pulled away. That baby feels the heat of that substance that's surrounding it. That is the truth. But you have to proclaim a different message because the truth is so painful. Have y'all found that out sometimes? Truth is very painful. It is painful. It is, it, is, it is that difficult and that hard. And I know I'm talking to people probably that has had an abortion. Men that have carried their girlfriends or even their wife, their fiance to have an abortion. Again, don't let that define you. Again, one of the ladies that we'll be interviewing that's on the radio today, she went through that, but she found the forgiveness that's in the Lord. 
and she's ready and she's walking with the Lord because she's not letting that one thing define her for the rest of her life. Because the power of the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But after it's practiced by a few and preached by the foolish, it finally becomes protected by the laws of the land. The laws of the land starts protecting wrongdoing. Abortion is okay. Using marijuana in certain states is okay. So we're looking at all of these things and no-fault divorce is okay. The church didn't speak up when no-fault divorce came about in the Congress of the different states because attorneys were making a killing, quote, on divorce. And they thought, well, this will be an inexpensive way for a person to get out of divorce. The church heard that. We did not speak on it the way we should have. And now divorce is as rampant as you can believe. And they say it's as much in the church as it is in the world. I, I don't quite believe that. And they've done some more research on it. It's not quite so, not that bad. Yes, we get, we get divorced in churches. But the reason there's not as many divorces outside the church is because the people outside the church are not even getting married. You catch what the difference is? When you're in church, even if you've lived together before marriage, which is wrong, it is sin. It is sin. You need to know that. Young people, you need to know that. It is sin. Outside the church, they're doing it, and it has been accepted. It's just part of what's going on. People that's raised in the church, they still get married. And yes, the divorce is coming. And because of the number of people that don't get married and then they separate outside the world, it skews what it looks like the church is doing. It makes it look like the church is not being effective. Well, I'm not saying we're as effective as we should be, but I am telling you we are making a difference. The church preaching that marriage should be between a man and a woman, it should be for life, that's the standard, and we're still proclaiming it. And we need to do that. We don't lower the ball goal, Todd, in order so Bert Harper can dunk it. You know? No, the standard is still high. Amen? The standard of God has not changed. His forgiveness is real. Amen? His opportunity for an opportunity, second chance, is real. Amen? But his standard is still there, and we need to proclaim the standard. Jesus doesn't have a plan B when it comes to salvation. He doesn't say, just because you don't want to come to Jesus, oh, you can do it this way. No, there is no other way. We need to hold the standard up of life. We need to hold the standard up for marriage. And we need to hold the standard up for being born again. We don't lessen it. We need to hold it. We hold it up in truth. We hold it up in love. We don't hold it up trying to beat you over the head and beat you over the back and saying shame. No, we're saying you need to come to God and get forgiveness. You need to come to God and walk straight. Listen, God's grace is not a license to sin. It's not a license to sin. If your life is not being changed once you've come to Jesus Christ, you've not been saved. Corinthians says, all things have become new. 
You just don't look at things the way you used to before you were saved. Even as a 12-year-old boy, I saw that. I was, I've shared this with you before, but I was as scared of the dark as anybody could. After I got saved, that was my first test. <laughs> man, I couldn't wait for it to get dark that day. And I went walking around outside, and I said, man, there is a difference. Woo! Amen? Jesus makes a difference in your life and how you look at life, how you look at marriage, how you look at everything. You look through the prism of Jesus Christ at everything. Give me my father's eyes. It's been protected by the laws. Secondly, the adoption of a lifestyle individually. I want you to turn over to the story of Samson for this. It's in chapters 14, 15, and 16 of the book of Judges. And I'm just going to read a few verses, but I want to tell you the story. Look, if you would, at chapter 14, verses 1, 2, and 3. Again, it's been accepted by society, but how in the world is it that people that were raised in church adopts a worldly lifestyle? Is that, is that relevant? I believe it is. Amen? You don't want to adopt the world standard. You and I are to live by a different standard. I don't care if you're in college or not. Oh, go to college and sow your wild oats. No, go to college and live for Jesus. You can. It can be done. I hung around with some guys that were doing it, and we held each other accountable during those periods of time when we were living in a dorm, when we didn't have a time to come in from our parents. And we didn't have cell phones back then either. They couldn't check up on me. Man. But you develop a standard. Now how do you adopt a lifestyle that is destructive? Listen to what Samson did. Chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. And I'm hurrying. Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah, the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah, the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me for a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all of my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, listen to this phrase, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. See, here's what Samson was doing. He was, he was rejecting, he was rejecting his heritage. He had been raised right. He had been taught right. He lived in a home that worshipped God, but he was rejecting his heritage. I just want to tell you, everybody, young people, college, you're going to have a crisis of faith in your life. There's going to be a time in your life where you're going to ask yourself, am I going to follow the ways of God or am I going to go my own way in the way of the world? I remember mine wasn't necessarily as much about choices about uh, actions, but it was mentally. I was driving home from Blue Mountain College one night. I had a night class and driving from Blue Mountain to Wheeler, Mississippi. Long way at night. And I doubted, I started doubting God. Here you are in college feeling like you've been called to preach and here you are wondering if God is real or not. You know? That happened. Is it really real? Is, is what I happened to me as a 12-year-old boy, was it just an emotional occurrence? Is, is God real? 
So it was about an hour and a little bit more. Man, I was struggling with that. Then I started thinking about what I'd been taught. I'd been taught that there were 350-something prophecies concerning Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection in the Old Testament. Over 350. And guess how many of them came true in Jesus' life in the New Testament? Every single one of them to the point of him being betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, to the point of being hung between two thieves. He had nothing to do with that, but it happened. He had nothing to do with the 30 pieces of silver, but it happened. He had nothing about where he'd be buried in a rich man's tomb, but it happened. And every one of those was forecast in the Old Testament. That put iron in my blood. Guess what? I haven't severely doubted my salvation, or I have not doubted God since that time. But there'll be a crisis of faith. It may not be on what you believe. It may be on what you do. Will I have sexual relations with someone that's not my husband or my wife? Will I go ahead and drink this alcohol that is damaging? The Bible condemns drunkenness and it warns against the use of alcohol. Let's get that down. The 11th commandment is thou shalt not drink. Now I'm putting it up for emotion so that I don't. But it's, I, I admit, Jan and I, we have seen the results of what alcohol does to a family. Her dad, alcohol, controlled his life, deserted them, left her. My brother, alcohol and uncles but my brother my oldest brother just given over to alcohol when he was 61 years old he was in the hospital liver just about gone the doctor came in I was there waiting with him and said Lord it's like a dam with holes in it I don't have enough fingers to fill in the dots he's got so many things wrong with him and it was from a lifestyle of alcoholism just I know, I don't know if I'd have been an alcoholic if I'd tried it or not. But not try it, I'm not. Amen? Amen? Okay. First, he rejected his heritage. Secondly, he refused to obey the laws of God. Look, if you would, at chapter 14 of the book of Judges, verses 8 and 9. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hands and went along eating. When he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken it from the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Why did he not tell them? Because he was a Nazarite. A Nazarite had three vows that they were to keep. They were not to cut their hair. They were not to go near a dead body human or animal and they were not to drink anything from the vine they were to be teetotals here he breaks the first one we know we know he was a party guy so I think it doesn't say he drunk alcohol but when you see how he lived his life and around parties and I think it's inferred that he probably would, uh, would t- participate in taking wine 
but he wasn't supposed to. You see, he had what he's called, listen to me carefully, write it down, selected obedience. Selected obedience. He had been taught not to go near a dead body. That's the reason he wouldn't tell his mom and his dad. But because of that selected obedience, it put him in a place of compromise. In other words, partial obedience is really disobedience. And it sets you up for the big decision when it's going to happen to you. And you know what happens when it comes to Delilah. She's got him, rubbing his hair, telling him how handsome he is, sleeping with him. And he says, if you love me, tell me your secret. He lies, but if you look at that, you'll find he gets closer and closer to the truth about cutting his hair all the time. And finally, he tells the truth. Oh, if you'll cut my hair, here's one of the saddest words in all the world. I'll be like any other man. Have you ever heard everybody else was doing it? Yeah, everybody else was doing it. Samson was not like every other man. If you are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not like any other man or like any other woman. You've been set apart. You may not be a Nazarite, but you've been set apart to be holy the way God wants you to be holy. Amen? We're to be different. Not not obnoxious, but different. People look at us and they say, man... There's something different about her. There's something different about him. When, when things go tough and get wrong, they, they, man, they, they have a steadiness about them. They look at things differently, and they're not too quick to judge, but they're able to look at things square and, and wait for the whole, the whole judgment to come in rather than jump into conclusions every time. That's a reality that God can bring in your life. He rejected his heritage. He refused to obey. And he was received by the enemy. He was spending time with Delilah. He was spending time with the enemy. If you sleep with with the enemy long enough, you'll die from the enemy's hand. Here was Samson. Got his hair cut. He got up thinking he was going to fight them off like he had every other time. But this time, his power had gone. The strength of the Lord was no longer with him. And they took him captive. They bound him. They put his eyes out. They were celebrating their God. They were worshiping in a temple to their God. And they said, you know what? Let's bring old Samson out. And let him give us some entertainment. And he brought Samson out, the man that he had stood strong and stood right, but now had fallen. And he brings him out with a little boy on a leash. Can you imagine being led around by a leash? Come on, boy. Come on. Come on, Samson. We had a cat named Samson. (laughs) We named it Samson. And we had a cat named Delilah, too. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. And she was something, wasn't she? She was a Delilah. Jan, we couldn't get rid of her, so Jen put a red ribbon around her neck to 
get other folks to like her a little bit. Finally, somebody did anyway. Uh, but anyway, but you know, I told Jan I wasn't going to tell any family secrets, and I have. I'm sorry. Honey. But uh, here was Samson being brought out. He asked the little boy. He knew how it was constructed. He says, where's the two pillars? And he got up there and he repented and he says, let me revenge my eyesight. Let me make most of my life. And said he pushed them apart. And more of the enemy was killed during his death than any other time. But notice what happened. Accepted by society. Things are doing in society today that we don't participate in. We don't approve of. We say is wrong. Amen? But if you're not careful, you'll be sucked into society's ways the way Samson was. Even though you've been brought up right, even though you've been taught right, even though you've made a decision, you selected obedience. I'll do this. It won't hurt for me to do it this time. Now, what does God say about all that? He says this, Leviticus 20. Turn back to Leviticus if you could. Leviticus 20, verse 23. And you shall not walk in the statutes of the nation which I am casting out before you, for they commit all these things, and therefore I abhor them. Notice what he does. His admonition of the Lord is first to avoid their ways. Avoid the ways of the world. Don't practice the ways of the world. If the, if the world starts doing things immodest, don't you follow suit. You don't have to be like the world. If the world starts using certain language, we don't have to come along. If the world says abortion's all right, we say, no, it's not all right. Life begins at conception. That's what Jeremiah said, in, in my mother's womb, God called me. You remember John the Baptist, he was in Elizabeth's womb, and when Jesus came through the door in Mary's womb, John the Baptist leaped for life pretty strong, isn't it? There's life there. Avoid the ways of the world. Proverbs 4, verses 14 and 15 say, enter not into the path of the wicked and go not into the way of the evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. Don't flirt with sin. You got it? Start, avoid it. You say, man, Brother Bert, you can do it. You can do it. You can stand strong. You don't have to believe. Today is mostly about life. Don't buy the lie that life does not begin at conception. It does. There's life there. We need to stand against it. We need to vote against it. We need to do everything we can. Work at the crisis pregnancy centers. And then finally, acknowledge his ownership. Look at Chapter 20, verse 7 of Leviticus. Consecrate yourself, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Acknowledge his ownership of your life. The Bible says if we've been saved, we've been bought with a price. Now again, let me conclude. Hopefully I can and I am. Do you remember how I said these three sins seem to be knit together? When one person starts practicing it or one society starts practicing it will weave its way around to every part of our lives they really do those of us that are old enough to remember how it was in the 1940s and I don't remember that but I do in the 1950s 
And, and when things were kind of normal, and then they said, no, you can't have prayer in public schools. No, you can't put the Ten Commandments in public schools. No, a woman has a right to take a child's life if it's her life, if it's the woman's baby in the womb. Now it's all right for men to marry men and women to marry women. And regardless of what the percentages are, when they do, you know, a survey, and the survey says that 51 people percent of the people believe that marriage between the same sex people is all right. What is the way that leads to destruction? Just remember that. It's not just true for salvation. It's true with the ways of the world. Sex outside of marriage will always lead to the devaluation of life. When you have, when you let someone use your body Outside the bonds of marriage, you're cheapening your life. There's no pledge. There's no honor. If they, and you hear the words, well, we love one another. If you love one another, you won't ask. Don't go that way. Step fight back. Alcohol, drugs, and sorcery leads to breaking down the inhibitions which leads to sexual deviation, even all kinds of sexual deviation. And then finally, the world has its own answers. The world tries to tell you safe sex. If that message was getting true, and through, if it were true, we'd be better off, but it's not true. It's sex outside of marriage is not safe. That's worth writing down. Sex outside of marriage is not safe. It's also wrong. It does bring about abortion. I can take care of the abortion situation easily. Most of it, I know there are some couples that are married that want it, but 80% of the ones that do are not married. Now, what does this mean? Look, if you would, in closing, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 4. And if the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man who's given his children to the God of Molech, judgment's coming. When you see a wrong and you don't try to right it, you're wrong. That's what he's saying. I'll read it again. Listen to this. Underline it. If the people of the land should in any way hide their eyes from the man who's given his child to be killed in honor of the God of Molech, I'll bring judgment on that man. We're not to hide our eyes from reality. Abortion is real and girls, are, their lives are being changed. That child, that baby is being destroyed. Homosexuality is being rampant and it destroys 
We don't hide our eyes. We look squarely as it is. And we speak up. We act. We respond. We're supposed to. The church does not need to lose our voice on abortion being wrong, on homosexuality being a sin, and drugs that cause mind-altering that lowers inhibitions. We don't need to be silent. The pulpits don't need to be silent. The Sunday school classes don't need to be silent. The youth leaders don't need to be silent. We need to be clear. Parents don't need to be silent. We need to make it clear. But more important than any of those that the church doesn't need to be silent on is that Jesus saves. Amen? The person who's had an abortion, Jesus can save. The person who is a Christian that's had an abortion because they was misled, didn't understand, God can forgive. God can deliver you from the sin of homosexuality. God can deliver you from alcohol and the misuse of drugs. Our God is able. And we need to be clear. We need to be loud. We need to be honest. Those things ultimately will destroy an individual, a family, and society. And if we don't speak, if we don't stand... God's judgment will be upon us. If any man hide his eyes, I, I know I'm taking longer and I'm not apologizing. Just stay with me. That means when you vote, when you vote, and you know you're voting for someone that's all right with same-sex marriage, they're all right with abortion on demand, it's like hiding your eyes and going and marking and mark. God, we've got to stand strong. But can I tell you, you're not standing alone. You're not standing alone. They want to make us sound like we're weirdos for believing that sex outside of marriage is wrong. Well, everybody's doing it. No, we're not weirdos. We're biblical. Oh, you're weirdos if you don't believe that a woman has a right to choose no, we believe in life. Oh, you're weirdos to believe that Jesus is the only way to get right with God. No, we do what God says. And you're not alone. You remember when Elijah thought he was the only one and God told him, no, there's thousands that has not bowed to me. So today, the invitation is simple. Believe right. I've tried to give you as much evidence as could. I'd, I'd give you a lot more about life in the womb, but I think the ultrasounds have proved that as much as anything. But I hope I've equipped you to be able to stand and not be turned by professors when you get to college. I know how that was. They tried and tried. Now, you stand strong. You know what the book of Psalms says? That God's word has made me wiser than all my teachers. Now, you don't act like it, but you can be, okay? I was wiser than a bunch of my teachers. I tried not to let them know it, but I knew better than what they were saying. 
I knew what they were saying was wrong. It was a lie. I had to hear the evolution junk. I had to listen to all that. But it was a lie. And you can stand strong, young people. You don't have to give in. You can stand strong. Amen? So here's the invitation. If you're ready to take your stand for life, for godliness, for marriage between a man and a woman, I want you to join me in just standing up right where you are. If you don't, just stay seated. But if you would, I, I think it's time we stand up. Don't look around to see who's not standing. I'm not. And I want to pray for you. Father, the invitation, we'll give it for salvation, Todd, so while I'm praying, you come. Father, for those of us that are taking our stand in love, not in anger, if if I, I know I'm passionate about it and sometimes my passion comes on as, as judgmental. Father, I, I, I just want to deliver your word. But Father, we're taking our stand with you in love. And Father, for anyone here who's gone through an abortion and they haven't had that big bang of forgiveness in their life, Father, I pray right now they'd just come to you and say, Oh, God, I was wrong. I didn't know. I didn't know it was that important to you. And now I know. Forgive me and set me right so I can see that child that I aborted one day because that child is with you. If you're a man and you've encouraged abortion because you were involved in a relationship you shouldn't have been involved in in such a way and you've paid for that abortion, I pray you'd go to the Lord and say, Lord, I was wrong. I was wrong by the sin of sex outside of marriage. I was wrong for, for suggesting an abortion. And God, I admit it today. I was wrong, and I ask you to forgive me, and I want to walk in your presence. Father, I pray that you would help us to stand for you in love, that we would plead for the life of the unborn, that we would participate in ways that would encourage others to have the value of life, even that value of life in the, in the womb and life after. Help us, Father, to stand for you. I pray this in Jesus' name.